Do you dream of starting your own product-based business, but don't know where to start? Are you ready to grow your existing product business, but could use some guidance or inspiration? Welcome to the Product Sessions Podcast. My name is Rebecca Waldron, entrepreneur, product designer, and developer, and mom of three. I'll be sharing some of the lessons I've learned in my career working in the surf industry for brands like Hurley and O'Neill, as well as running my bag company, Bodomit, for over eight years. I'll also be interviewing industry experts to learn from their experiences and get their advice. I can't wait to help you take your big ideas and make your dreams a reality. Let's jump in. Welcome back to episode number four of the Product Sessions podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to have your products made. Now, a lot of you are probably here because you're interested in either starting or growing your product-based business. And so we're going to talk about the steps that you need to go through to have your products made, whether that's your first product and you're launching or you're ready to add new products to your line. Now, I want to give a warning. If you have an existing brand and you already have products, I personally have made the mistakes that when sales are slow or when your business isn't growing as quickly as possible, you think the solution is adding more products. When I have found that the solution is often just putting more effort into marketing. So um, just a warning there. If you're trying to expand on your line, keep that in mind first. If you're here, you probably have an entrepreneurial spirit. And if you're anything like me, you're kind of always thinking of new business ideas, or that would be such a good idea, or what about this? What about that? So you do need to take the time to consider whether your product idea that you've come up with is a good fit for the market. And also if it's something that you're passionate about, because Let's be honest, running a business is hard and there's going to be times when you get discouraged and it's much better if you start out your business doing something that's meaningful to you rather than just to make money, but something you're passionate about and something that customers can relate to and feel your passion through. Something that um, solves a problem that maybe you've personally experienced that you can help others solve. The more personal the problem, the easier it will be to see your project through. So once you have your product idea, you need to do some market research. Um, I would start by going to stores where you think your potential customer might go to buy that product. Good places to look are um, Target or Amazon. What are the popular products in your category that people are loving? You also want to analyze, is that market really saturated? Is there a high demand? You also want to check out the range of prices. What are these products in this category typically going for? And you'll make a list of those. So if the demand is high, there are lots of people interested and the market isn't too saturated, then you can feel confident that your products have the potential to sell. And so then you're going to want to make sure that you position yourself a little bit differently in the market than other people. Is your target market very general or very niche? Is your target market higher end or on the more affordable end of pricing? Where do your customers shop? Are they more organic and earthy, willing to spend more for 
an organic or sustainable product? Or are they looking for an easy and affordable solution to a problem? Now, I feel like a lot of people get nervous when they have a new product idea that they don't want to share it with too many people because they're afraid of their idea getting stolen. And if your product is super innovative and technologically very different than other products on the market, then you might want to have people sign an NDA before you discuss this product with people. But in general, like for my diaper bag product, or if you're doing a spin on leggings or t-shirts or a new decorative pillowcase, generally, I don't think you need to worry about people stealing your idea. And it's so beneficial to get feedback from your audience. So either get a sample or a drawing and show it to people that are your friends and family and especially people that you think would be in the market for that product. Get their feedback and take that into account when you're designing and coming up with ideas for your product. I often get the question, how many different products do I need to launch a new business? And I honestly think one or possibly two is enough if you have a unique enough story or you're solving a unique enough problem, then you don't need to have a full array of products. The last thing I want to advise someone to do is to, without doing any research, go out and buy a ton of product and then it doesn't sell. That would be miserable. So that's why I talk about, before I talk about how to have your products made, I want to make sure that you've done the research to make sure that this is a good fit for the market and that you have a strong story for your brand and you're passionate about it. So after you've done that research, you start um, really getting into the design phase. You wanna do drawings, sketches, and pick out colors, and make sure you really hone exactly what it is that you wanna make. Once you have that vision perfected or as close as you feel like you can get, then you're ready to have what's called a tech pack made. We talked about this in episode number three with my friend Victoria Dixon, as she is a technical designer and she is a consultant to make tech packs. Her specialty is leggings and athletic wear, but you can basically find a technical designer for any type of product and they can make a tech pack for you or what's also called a technical package, which is kind of like a blueprint for your design. You can find a technical designer through Upwork or LinkedIn and you'll work with them until they have created this blueprint that includes your materials, your dimensions, the colors you want. It'll have your brand name and the name of your product on it. And when you're picking colors, you want to pick from what's called a Pantone book, the Formula Guide Coded, the Plus series from Pantone. And you wanna pick from this the color you want your product to be, whether it's one color or you're doing several colorways, and you want to give them the Pantone number. For example, this one is 7681, and that number goes on your tech pack, and that is the universal code so that someone overseas or even the manufacturer down your street, we're all speaking the same language when we come to what color we want. We're not just gonna say light blue because who knows what light blue color they're gonna pick. And this way it's exactly the color that you want. And that's an industry standard for manufacturers. Once you have that dialed in, you're gonna be sending that to several manufacturers to get a quote 
for how much it will cost them to make that and their minimum order quantity, which is also called MOQ. And MOQ can be tough for a lot of new brands because oftentimes the MOQ or the minimum order quantity they require can be high. So you also need to decide if you wanna have your product made overseas or domestically. And this is gonna depend on a few things. It's gonna depend on how much money you're ready and willing to pay upfront, and it's gonna depend on who your customer is. Is it important for your customer to have their products made locally? Do they wanna support US-made businesses and they're willing to spend the extra money to do that? Or are your products on the lower price point and they want something that works but is not that expensive? So make sure you ask your target customers as you're doing the research what they think about that and their values. And consider what your values are. What's important to you? Is it important to you to have things made locally? You do have to consider that prices per unit overseas will be much less than price per unit here in the U.S., but overseas they have higher minimum order quantities, so you'll probably have to order at the very least 200 of the exact same color. And if you wanna have another color made of the exact same product, you'll have to order at least another 200. But typically they're gonna ask for 500, and maybe you can find some manufacturers that are willing to go a little bit lower. Now, if you're having products made in the US, a lot of U.S. manufacturers are more flexible on minimum order quantity, and you can do something that's called a sample run that you can order as few as five or six, but the cost per unit on those are going to be quite high. So if you want to, you can send your tech pack out to some overseas manufacturers and some domestic manufacturers and compare the pricing and the minimum order quantities for those factories. I think it's a good idea to pick five to 10 manufacturers to start with to get quotes from. And you also want to ask them not only price and MOQ, but how long will it take them to make these products? You also wanna consider that the price they're going to give you does not include the cost of shipping that product to you. And if you're shipping things from overseas, it's gonna be more expensive to have it shipped to you and you'll have to consider custom fees if your manufacturer is local, you can swing by and see how it's going, talk to the people that work there, look at the samples, and it's quicker communication that way. When you're working with someone overseas, often they're on a different time schedule, and so you'll send them an email at like two in the afternoon, and they won't get back to you until like 2 a.m., and then they'll have a question, and you'll respond it the next day, and it can just really delay the communication, but sometimes that can be worth it. Also, different parts of the world specialize in different products. There are some technologies in China or India that the US hasn't quite perfected yet. And if you have samples made with a domestic and an overseas manufacturer, you can compare the quality of those items. Another thing to consider when you're choosing between domestic or overseas manufacturers is that typically an overseas manufacturer will find all of the materials you need for you. You will tell them what you want and they'll go find it. But if you're working with a US manufacturer, you typically have to go find those materials yourself. So you will find the fabric and the hardware or whatever it is that goes into it 
oftentimes you're responsible for finding that. Some places to find manufacturers include Alibaba.com for overseas manufacturers. And there are a lot of not great manufacturers on there, but it's also still a great tool. And I choose to work with manufacturers on there that are verified and have the certifications that they need. It's also comforting if you know they've worked with bigger brands like Disney or Nike. For local manufacturers, you can look on LinkedIn or there's a good website called Makers Row, or you can listen to the previous episode with Victoria Dixon where she lists a few more resources to find manufacturers. In your email to the manufacturer, you will include your technical package. You'll attach that document. You'll also say, please advise the cost per unit and the minimum order quantity, the time frame it might take you to make them, and how much it will cost to have a sample made. And remember, the cost to have the sample made does not include the cost of having it shipped to you. So based on your manufacturer's response, you'll probably narrow down your manufacturers to two or three and have them make samples for you. After that, you are ready to enter the phase of product development. So your manufacturer will ship you your first sample. And typically your first sample is not gonna be exactly how you want it. Often they will not use the exact materials that they're going to use for the final product. It's more um, to get the shape or the silhouette right. And then once you get that product, you will write what's called comments. And you will get back to them. You can do this in email or a PDF. And you will say, I want to change this. I want to change this. I want a different fabric here, a different hardware here. I want this type of material. And you'll typically have to have several prototypes made until the product is the way that you want it. And that's fine. You want to do that ahead of time. You don't want to rush into having so many products made when it's not the way you want it. But then on the other hand, and this is something that I've struggled with, you don't want to get stuck in overdevelopment, which is where you just keep asking them to change things and change things because you're just so worried it's not perfect. And I've been stuck in that phase for like almost a year. I think it's a good idea to try to stay between like six months in that process. If you're going overseas, it can be longer than if you're doing it nearby. Then once it's the way you want it, you will order your bulk production. The factories that I've worked with have first requested that you send about half of the payment up front. That will allow them to buy the materials and pay for the labor to have those products made. Then once they're totally done with the manufacturing process, they'll box it up and they'll get it to the shipper and once it's in the shipper's hand, they request the other 50% of the payment. And that's how it's worked for me in the past. If your order is really small, like I'd say under $1,000, sometimes they'll just ask for that payment all up front. It's always scary working with a new manufacturer and sending them money. So when you work for a manufacturer, you want to pick someone either that um, has good certifications has good reviews or you know someone that's worked with them just so that you don't end up wiring them money and then no products come that would be the worst so so yeah make sure you do your research there if you're shipping your products overseas and you choose to do it by sea which is typically what people do it can take one to two months to get your products by sea it can 
be much faster if you choose to ship it by air, but it's also much more expensive. I have actually, occasionally I'll have them ship me a few boxes by air and then send the rest by sea. And then hopefully by the time I've sold through those first few boxes, then the sea shipment will have arrived and it will go smoothly. You will also want to look for a freight forwarder um, or sometimes they're called a 3PL. Sometimes your manufacturer will have ones that they've worked with and that they trust so you can get that information from them. Or you can just do some good old Googling and see which ones have good reputations and reviews. So that concludes this episode. That is the framework of how to have your products made. I hope you found it helpful and not overwhelming. This process is exciting and just that feeling when you get your first product that you've designed and dreamed up is so fulfilling and exciting. And I think your customers can see that and feel that, especially when it solves a problem for them. And for me, it propels me on to keep making things and making people happy with those products. So I hope you find this empowering and that you know that you can actually have your products made and run a business. Tune in next week where I talk about how I balance motherhood and running a product-based business from home. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Product Sessions Podcast. Visit theproductsessions.com for full show notes and additional resources. If you're interested in growing your own product-based business, but you need some more guidance, check out our free resource, The Product Business Launch Guide, by visiting theproductsessions.com backslash launch guide. See you next week.